This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. I tell you, I, I, I never thought the day would come when I would say that I have a favorite lawyer. But as it turns out, as it turns out, <laughs> I have a favorite lawyer. How often in your career have you heard people saying that uh, they have favorite lawyers? <laughs> uh, very few times, actually. Uh, mostly in connection with criminal cases, uh, when you really do need a lawyer, a really good one. Uh, for example, when that uh, really, really good guy, the judge in Weimar, uh, was when he was uh, searched his car, his house, his uh, law, his his office, and his cell phone and his um, and his computer were seized. Um, he needed a lawyer. And I know that most judges probably don't like lawyers, but in this case, he really needed one. And I got him in touch with, with one of the best criminal defense attorneys. And I think they're pretty, they're, they're fast friends now. The fight has to be fought on three different levels. One is, of course, the, the courts of law. We realize that many of the courts of law have been compromised because the other side, as I call them, the, um, well, those very rich and powerful people who are, um, managing this agenda through BlackRock and other huge uh, funds, which then invest into Amazon and other huge corporations, which then take over the market share of those small and medium-sized businesses that are being destroyed through this pandemic. Um, so that's, that's the other side. Um, we know that they have done their best to stack some of the courts some of the, in, at least in the Western countries, but I'm pretty sure that it's not much different in the African countries, uh, so as to make sure that these cases will not really be tried. In particular, that the evidence on the foundation of this pandemic, as I like to call it now, the PCR test, that this evidence uh, is never heard, that ne none of the expert witnesses is ever heard. Well, I think uh, that is not going to be, um, this is wishful thinking, it's not going to happen because we've already gotten some of our experts into the courts of law. I mean, at a high price for that particular judge in Weimar, but he did listen to our experts, both on the mask mandates and on what this does uh, to uh, children and on the PCR test. Yeah, I mean, the... I mean, I, th I think it's fairly clear now that the PCR test is the sort of foundational mythology of this entire um, uh, plan pandemic. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, I was just um, on an interview with uh, Steve Bannon, uh, the former uh, uh, campaign manager of Trump, and I think he was for a while, he was his chief of staff as well. Mm -hmm. And um, in the United States, people are now, even in the mainstream media, are now beginning to understand that the PCR test is what this is all about. Uh, we have to be careful. I don't, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but we have to be careful so as to not fall into the trap of uh, there's, a, there's a, a new narrative out, uh, which we think is false. Um, of course, everybody in the United States is excited that finally uh, Fauci, is being thrown under the bus. Uh, and that Gates uh, obviously has some serious problems as well. But the Fauci story comes like a, comes across 
as a Trojan horse. One side of the story, which is being used sort of like the vehicle for the other story, for the Trojan horse story, is finally he's being exposed. Now we know that he's lied to the American people, that he's been using American taxpayers' money behind their backs and against the uh, president's orders uh, because he was spending this money on uh, what they call gain-of-function experiments, which were conducted, of all places, at the Wuhan Virology Lab. That's only one side of the story. The other side of the story, and that's the dangerous one, is he didn't tell you that a dangerous virus escaped from that lab. Now, that story is false. They need this story, and they're, they're using it in preparation for what's probably going to happen. I hope it's not going to happen, but all the experts are telling us it's going to happen. They need this story for the fall, winter, and spring when those who got vaccinated, who got the shots, rather, uh, will run into the what they call the wild virus, uh, either a uh, flu virus or a cold virus, because that's when all the really, really terrible adverse reactions are expected, which, again, I hope are not, if this is not going to happen, but this would imply that all of the experts who we spoke with, one of them is Luc Montagnier, he's a Nobel Prize winner uh, in connection with the HIV virus. Then yesterday we had a, a very important interview with uh, Dr. Uh, Roger Hutkinson from uh, uh, Canada. I think he's a British uh, citizen, or at least he was born and raised there, but um, he's a very important figure in this Eden, including Mike Eden, formerly of Pfizer, they're all warning us, you've got to do something to stop these vaccinations because there's not, they're not vaccinations and they're not tested. You, the people out there, are the guinea pigs for the ongoing study right now. So if that doesn't, uh, if, if that doesn't happen, everyone will be happy. But if it does happen, that's precisely what they need this story for. Because in the fall, when... Hopefully not, but people will fall ill and some people, many people maybe will die. That's when they're going to come up with this story, dangerous virus from the Wuhan lab. That is what is causing these deaths. That is what's causing all these illnesses. We need more flu. Well, I'm sorry, new, uh, more vaccinations, et cetera, et cetera. But in reality, the uh, accident, which did happen, has nothing to do with the pandemic that we're dealing with. This is what really happened. There was an accident, yes. Uh, this was in late uh, uh, 2019, uh, and the Chinese government really was worried about maybe something serious has happened. That's why they ordered the uh, person, a woman who, who's, who, who runs that lab, to immediately return to Wuhan. And even while she was still on a train, they took down the website so as to cover their tracks. So that's evidence enough to show us that there's that they really were worried something serious has happened. But two or three weeks later, uh, they realized uh, there was nothing really to worry about because uh, maybe one or two people died. I mean, that's bad enough, but it's not a serious outbreak of anything because that was the end of the story. But it wasn't for those people who had been planning for this pandemic and their concrete plans have been in the making for at least 10 years. I think they started in 2010 or so, uh, uh, the Rockefellers, the Gateses, and the others. Um, they took this opportunity, they took this opportunity and used it as a springboard um, to roll out their plan and go forward with their agenda. Uh, and that's when they told uh, Drusten to start his PCR test thing. Um, I think 
couple of days after the first rumors were out that there's something going on at the Wuhan lab, they told him to go forward with his uh, PCR test. And then in January, I think on January the 22nd and 23rd, um, they had a first, the WHO had a first emergency meeting because the uh, people in the back, in the background, uh, were using the pharmaceutical industry to apply pressure so that the WHO would announce this um, uh, public health emergency of international concern, fake, P-H-E-I-C. Uh, why? Well, they need this in order to, they, right from the start, nobody really cared about mask mandates, uh, lockdown, social distancing. Those were only the steps that needed to be taken in order to make people obedient and to make them believe that the only way out was vaccination. Yeah. So that's what, what they were geared up to do, go for the vaccinations. But in order to be able to use vaccines, well, we know they're not vaccines, but in order to be able to use an untested drug, in this case, vaccines, um, there's no studies for these vaccines. The studies are ongoing right now. We're all of us are the guinea pigs. Um, in order to be able to use untested drugs, you first need the declaration of a public health emergency of international concern. If you have an emergency of that nature, then you get this emergency use authorization, even for untested drugs by the uh, by the uh, CDC in the United States or by the American government. And here in uh, Europe, the uh, conditional use approval uh, by the EU Commission. But you, that's what that's why they pushed so hard for the public health emergency of international concern. But on, when they the first try went nowhere because there were no cases. The only thing they could agree on is we're going to meet again in two weeks. They had a second emergency meeting, a meeting two weeks later. And that's when they declared the public health emergency of international concern. Now, what had changed? Only one thing. His uh, Drosten's test had been, he had given his test to the WHO, and they had recommended it uh, for the entire world to be used as a gold standard for detecting infections. And they had used it, and as we now know, they had produced lots of cases, hmm. which weren't cases, but only false positives. Because the Drosten test, apart from the fact, we talked about this, apart hmm. from the fact that these PCR tests can't tell you anything about infections, the way that he set it up at 45 cycles of amplifications, the only thing that results from this is false positives. Remember, uh, the uh, Frankfurt uh, Public Health Agency disregards anything beyond 24 cycles of amplification as totally unscientific, and Mike Eden tells us at 35 cycles, you end up with at least 97% false positive. Fauci himself, so yeah, he also at one stage said that anything above 25 yeah. cycles is pretty much junk science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he said. And then he forgot about it. Yeah. They just right. wanted this public health emergency. And the only way they could get it is by creating cases mm. with the help of the Drosten test, which, as we now know, created only false positives. Now, Catherine Austin Fitz. She, in a book which she wrote, it's called The End of Currencies. Uh, she explains how this pandemic is being used to introduce uh, uh, not cryptocurrency, but a digital yeah. money of sorts. I haven't quite understood it, and I haven't read the entire book yet. I've, I'm halfway through, but I'm, I have so much to do. But I, what she tells us is absolutely plausible. It makes sense. 
I think this is this is what this pandemic is being used for in order to uh, ultimately have a world government. Mm. Uh, even the Pope um, announced in his, I think this is in October of last year, I think it's his encyclica is called Fratelli Tutti or something. I think that's what it's called, Fratelli Tutti. Even he calls for the Catholic, uh, for the Catholics uh, to, um, well, to agree to a new world order under a world government under the United Nations. Now, in the meantime, we know who the United Nations are. We know who the WHO is. We even know what the World Wildlife Fund is. Behind all of these institutions, some of them charitable, some of them just, just NGOs, are the same people who are behind what's going on right mm. here. The people who are using their money to uh, make money on as many fronts as possible. Yeah, it's money and power. Isn't it funny, Reiner? Isn't it funny that the world's the world's uh, bastion of godliness, the Pope, he's a man of God, and he's telling everybody to get a vaccine? <laughs> It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. What happened to it praying? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I hope I hope he doesn't hear me saying that. <laughs> yeah, um, and, uh, I have, uh, as I said, I have just spoken to a group of South Africans, uh, yes. lawyers and also pastors amongst them. They feel the very same way. They mm. feel exactly the same way. They're saying there's something s scary going on. There may even be a schism mm. of the Catholic Church based on the interviews that we did with all of these experts. Um, not We didn't just speak with experts mm. of the scientific community, with epidemiologists, uh, virologists, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, econom economists, uh, lawyers, etc., etc. Mm. But we also spoke with people, for example, this past Friday, who uh, have a uh, who wrote in in this particular example as a woman from Spain who wrote a doctoral dissertation on the Bilderbergers. Now most people don't even know what this is. Well, this is no coincidence yeah. because the Bilderbergers, which is a group of very powerful people, um, have tried to keep their meetings completely secret. The first meeting I think happened in 1954. And they've tried to keep it as secret as possible. And then finally, I don't know when, but in the 1990s, maybe early 2000s, uh, it was they couldn't deny it anymore. So these are really powerful people who are meeting all the time. And uh, in some way, I haven't quite understood it yet. We're, we're going to need a couple of more experts on that. Mm. Uh, but in some way, they're the ones who are deciding who is going to be in what position when, including the head of the European Union. Yes. The thing is... This has nothing to do with democracy. No. Democracy means rule of the people. It's bottom up and not top down. Yes. What they're trying to do is install an international, a world government, uh, which is going to do what they're telling them to do. And this world government then will have uh, one size fits all rules and regulations and laws that have nothing to do with the people. For example, yeah. if you look at what most people don't even know existed, those world uh, health regulations, I think is what it's called. It's an invention by the WHO. Remember, the WHO is a supranational organization, mm. which was set up by private people. 
just like the World Economic Forum. It's a private invention where the rich and powerful meet. Uh, and so this is the same for the WHO. And they're imposing on us rules and regulations, in this case, in the shape of this world uh, health regulation or international health regulations, which are apparently for the good of the people. Mm. They're using they're using health, global health, sort of like a crowbar in order to force things upon us, which we otherwise wouldn't even go along with. These uh, world or international health regulations are only good for the pharmaceutical industry, but not for the people. I mean, Hans has a question. He says, look, you know, if 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 the judges and, and the courts are bought, you know, then what? Not all of them are bought. Um, this it is probably true that in most countries, uh, in particular here in Germany, the courts are not independent, but as a rule, there's always a few who don't play along, one of them being the judge in Weimar. I mean, he did sort of suffer the consequences, mm. but he knew it ahead of time. So he knew what he was getting himself into. He still did it because he believes in the rule of law. And many people have applauded him, uh, some of them behind the scenes, but he's gotten a lot of support. And I know that there are a lot of other lawyers out there, I'm sorry, judges out there, who are not corrupt, but only afraid. And the more cases we get in our favor that decide the PCR test cannot tell you anything about infections, uh, that are decided by other judges, then this is sort of like an empowerment. It is, mm -hmm. it is empowerment for all those judges who are still sitting sort of uh, cowering beneath yeah. their, uh, their desks and, and, and who are afraid, but who, are, who feel terrible about this because they know that the rule of law really requires them to do the same as their colleagues are doing. So this is what we're aiming for. That's why we're bringing as many cases as possible into the courts of law. All the cases that have been filed will have to go to trial. There is no other way, at least not here in Germany. Mm. Uh, one of the cases we filed, the first class action case that we filed in Canada was, and this is not possible in Germany, but it is possible in Canada, was dismissed. There was no hearing. It was simply dismissed. But our colleague Michael Swinwood wrote an excellent uh, appellate brief. So we're pretty optimistic about uh, the case uh, winning on appeal or getting us forward uh, on appeal. Other cases have been filed in the United States. More cases will be filed in the United States. We've done some of these cases here in Germany. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it is quite obvious, as I said earlier, that most of the courts are not independent, at least not here in Germany. And that's why even the courts are, are uh, under pressure. I think I told you about the case that I filed against Wheeler. He's the guy, he's the equivalent mm -hmm. of Fauci. He's the guy who runs the equivalent of the uh, uh, American CDC, the RKI here in Germany. I filed a, a complaint for damages against him. And the amount in controversy, meaning the amount that I'm asking from him in damages, I set it at 50,000 euros in order to keep the uh, expenses as low as possible. Because even though I'm representing uh, a business client, someone who runs a, um, 
He, he's the largest barefoot shoemaker in Germany. But I still, I'm not in it for the money. We want to win these cases. We want to turn this thing around. So I set the amount in controversy at 50,000 euros. On the day that I filed, I don't know if I told you this, but on the day that I filed that case, on the very same day I filed it electronically, uh, someone from the court, we don't know who did it, called the chancellor's office. This is totally unheard of. That tells me that they're really worried about these cases because otherwise there's no other explanation for why an obscure court out there in the country in the middle of nowhere would call the chancellor's office simply mm. because I filed a complaint there. I know this for a fact because one of the people who learned of this at the chancellor's office is in touch with me and he called me a couple of minutes later and uh, told me these people are in panic mode because sure. they're trying to talk this thing down by claiming that this case is going to be dismissed, but that's not possible. It can't be dismissed, not in Germany. That's possible in some of the Anglo-American countries, but not in Germany. The next thing that happened is the three judges, this is a three-panel court, uh, three-judge uh, panel, um, decided that they would arbitrarily, willfully, arbitrarily raise the amount in controversy from 50,000 euros to 31 million euros thereby forcing my client, this corporation, to pay 350,000 euros in court expenses just to get this case served on the other party. Wow. Yo, that's Three sneaky. days later, the equivalent of the American OSHA, which is Occupational Safety Health Agency, something like that, raided my client's uh, productions facilities and harassed him. So that's what you get when you do this. That's the message that they were trying to signal to the rest of the world. However, this client is not going to back down. Any, none of the other clients are backing down. I'm just telling you this in order to make clear how much pressure is applied on the judiciary and how here in Germany, mm. at least, uh, we cannot expect um, the judiciary to be independent. Some are independent and some will not uh, back down. But most of the judiciary is not independent. The group of lawyers that is uh, internationally collect, uh, connected and uh, which is all of us are on the same page. We all know that the PCR test is the foundation for the whole thing. So we do know how to attack. Mm -hmm. We also know about the vaccinations. That's another good argument uh, for the court cases because that is a red line that shouldn't have been crossed. Mm -hmm. It's a red line because of all the accidents, because of all these adverse reactions. It's making people angry, in particular now that they're going after the children too. So they've crossed too many red lines. But um, those cases are filed everywhere so that with the intention of getting as many decisions in our favor as possible. But ultimately, mm -hmm. Jeremy, ultimately, the plan is to set up an international tribunal, an international corona court, if you will. Um, we're currently looking for an extraterritorial, extraterritorial place where to set it up, and we're. Uh, <laughs> I almost yeah, thought you, you said. I almost thought you said extraterrestrial. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa! Now, where are we going? We're going onto a whole new level, yeah. <laughs> That'll make the most sense, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. E.T. E.T. could be the presiding judge then. Um, no, um, so that is really ultimately what we think is going to be needed 
in order to cope with what we call crimes against humanity. Because after everything we've seen for the over the past uh, 14 months or so, these are probably, no, they're certainly the worst crimes against humanity yeah. ever committed. There may have been worse crimes, which we don't know about, but uh, this, even, even what happened in World War II pales in comparison with what's happening right now. Jesse wants to know, uh, you know, do the Fauci emails help um, at all? legally absolutely because uh fauci is one of the main protagonists of this uh as we now call it the pandemic at least in the united states uh over uh here in europe in germany it's drusden and it's the guy who runs the rki fauci's uh equivalent mm. um mr wheeler uh, but Fauci is a figurehead for the for the other side. So it is important to see how the um, how these emails tell you in great detail that one of the most important puppets they've been using uh, has been lying to them, has been lying to the American public. And I think it's even more important to see how the other side is ready and willing to throw one of their own under the bus, because this is no coincidence. Um, that's why I'm thinking that we're all, that's why we're all of us at the Corona Committee are convinced that this is just a sideshow, because what they really want to tell us is there's a dangerous virus that escaped from that Wuhan lab, and he didn't tell you about it. Because as I said, they need the story in the fall. And 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 it just gives them more reason to push for this vaccine. Yes, yes, and more vaccines. Uh, people will ultimately probably have to get vaccinated every six months or so, or maybe every 10 seconds if they have their will. Who are happy to take this vaccine, and they have no idea why they're taking it, and they have no idea what's in it. I just, I, 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 I can't. I don't. I don't even have the words. Yeah, it's um, it's easy to call this insanity, but we're talking about mostly intelligent people. Uh, as it happens, uh, this morning I spoke with my ex-wife, uh, and she and her children, and her ex-husband, <laughs> she was married before. He's a doctor. They all they're all fully vaccinated. I don't understand because they're smart, intelligent people. But the thing is, the um, what people don't realize is the WHO, which is the platform which the other side is using to to use global health as a crowbar to make us do things that we otherwise wouldn't do. They have a, uh, I guess you can call it a program that's called Infodemic. I don't know if I told you this before, mm -mm. infodemic. This is their propaganda side. That's what they're using to influence the mainstream media and the uh, social media. And that's why you find when your uh, videos are taken down by YouTube, Google, uh, that they're taken, they're being taken down because they're not in accordance with the guidelines of the WHO. Well, since when is the WHO the arbiter of, yeah. uh, of free speech? Yeah. Impossible. But that's how this works. That's You have to take this into account. Uh, they're using their infodemic tool in order to make the mainstream media and the social media do what they tell them to do. And that influences a lot of people. Unless, of course, these people are able, as one of the professors of psychology explained this to us, 
are able to ask questions rather than to blindly follow orders. But only 20% or maybe 30% of the population has this uh, capacity. Most people, and this has to do with, um, I, again, this is going too deep into psychology, but most people are happy to be told what to do. Most people don't want to have to think about what they're doing. Brian Gerrish, I think you might know him. Great guy, yes. Yeah. And he was talking about exactly this. Uh, and uh, he used the analogy of Pavlov's dogs. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing... Um, I had a, I had another um, a Zoom conference with our friend Wolfgang Vodak, with Professor Bhakti. I think you spoke with him mm. as well. Um, and uh, we all agree... And we all realize that these huge corporations, including Google, uh, Facebook, um, Amazon, Twitter, Twitter. many of them, Twitter, yeah, many of them are more powerful than countries. Keep the, you, you, have, you have to consider this. They're more powerful. They have more money than entire countries. And also keep in mind that there's uh, pretty concrete evidence that the uh, intelligence community invested in these uh, uh, social media. We don't know how much, but they have, they're, they're heavily influenced. Now, one of the people who we spoke with, very interesting uh, woman from Finland, she's the former chief legal advisor uh, of Nokia, you know, the cell phone mm. company. Nokia used to be a small company that made rubber boots, I think. And then uh, all of a sudden they became the number one cell phone maker. And by the way, the best, that Nokia 3310 was the best cell phone ever made. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they come, they somehow they they didn't make it into the smartphone era. But back then, this is 30 years ago, Mm. they were the number one cell phone maker. And that's when uh, what this um, former legal advisor told us, her name is Anu Palmu, very, very interesting person. Um, She told us that she and the representatives of the other cell phone makers uh, were uh, called to speak with the, I think it was the NSA, National Security Agency in the United States. And they had to disclose their, what they call the encryption algorithms, encryption algorithms. And since then, this is 30 years ago, since then, all cell phone uh, conversations are being recorded. Uh, now I don't I don't think that they know how to make sense of this because this is way too much and and mm. uh, I just don't think they're smart enough. There's some smart people, but not very many. Um, but at least they're being recorded. Now, if you take that into consideration and then look at uh, at Facebook and Twitter and all the others, don't you think that the security agencies have an interest in yeah. knowing what they're doing? Um, I forgot to complete my sentence when you first asked me about the lawsuits. We're, uh, this, this thing is being, this crisis, let's put it that way, has to be fought on three different levels. In the courts of law, uh, by way of um, exposing what's going on, exposing the other like side this. by making things transparent. What That's what you're doing. That's what we're doing with the mm. Corona Committee. Many other people are doing the same thing. And then uh, the one level that we shouldn't forget about, because we believe it's the most important one, it's on a spiritual level. And that is really, really important. I, I think I told you before, mm. had somebody, had somebody uh, explained this to me a year and a half ago, I probably would have said, forget it. Yeah. I'm a lawyer. I'm a rational thinker. 
But all of a sudden, it turns out that this spiritual level is extremely important. And if the question is, where is this going? Well, uh, that is probably the one factor, the most important of these three factors, that's going to turn things around. Because they, the other side, has absolutely no access. They're the ones with no empathy. They have no access to this level. So where is this going? Well, sooner or later, I hope sooner, before the fall, this will turn around. And then the other side, those who are responsible, will be held responsible, either in the courts of law or by that spiritual level in some way. It's a fight essentially between good and evil, which essentially is that spiritual level. And it does, it does very much seem to be like that. I agree with that. I, I can't come to any other conclusion. Because what is happening is so terrible, is so evil, that this is what it boils down to. Mm. It's a fight be between good and evil. It's a fight between those who have empathy, who want to be and, and, and live like humans, and mm. those who have no empathy and who don't care if we're all going to be digitalized. <laughs> There's always hope. Um, it's the most important thing that I... For example, I have joined a new party that was founded a year ago in this country, and it's the only one, political party, it's the only one that uh, cares about the corona stuff. We, um, they, they are, uh, and they just had elections. Uh, we're going to have um, our general elections will be in September, I think on September the 26th. We don't know if it's going to happen. I do think it's going to happen, but there are a lot of people who are a little bit concerned. There were state elections. We have 16 states in this country. There were state elections this past uh, Sunday, and our party lost. And it turns out there's concrete evidence that there is election fraud involved, massive election fraud. So is that positive? No. But it's all coming out into the open because we have concrete evidence for this. We, have, we now understand, most of us understand, that uh, our governments are not our governments anymore. Most of us understand that there's so much corruption going on out there, it is, uh, it is hard to overlook. So all of the things that we can see now, I wish we had seen them 30 years earlier, uh, could have been, this could have been dealt with, but maybe not, I don't know. Maybe this is, this is meant to happen at this time because now we have the right people in the right places. Um, but that's the one thing that I find um, I can't call it uplifting, but that's a positive thing because you can only clean things up if you can see them. If Only if you yeah. see the dirt, you can clean things up. So that's what's happening now. We had an interview with Dr. Roger Hutkinson mm. from Canada. Uh, Canada. He's a pathologist. It was last night. It was a great interview. It's going to be up on our website, uh, and our website is going to be in English too. This interview is in English, of course, because he speaks English. Good. And uh, that's what he told us uh, when he ended uh, the interview. Don't believe anything. Take a close look at everything and make up your own mind. That's so important sure. because that's the only way to get to the core of the matter. You need information. Don't believe anything because they're lying to you all the time. That's what he said. And I think he's completely correct. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. We cannot rely on anyone except on ourselves. But those of us who are working, as I say, in the resistance, we have to connect. And the thing is, this ha this is happening almost automatically. I know yes. 
you know, how did we get in touch? For some reason, you realized uh, that maybe it's important, maybe it's yeah. interesting to talk to me. And I realized, well, this guy makes sense. And mm. so this is happening all the time. We meet new people all the time, new people who are interesting to talk with, who uh, are not boring, because I remember when I was still in my old life, um, when I had to go to cocktail parties, <laughs> holy smokes, that was so boring. I always wish I hadn't gone there. I wish I had uh, instead watched a John Wayne movie or something. <laughs> I said we need to decentralize our lives and take take back take back our sovereignty. Start getting healthy. Don't Don't believe in medicine and drugs for everything. You know, get into the sunshine, go walk the, the dogs on the beach, you know, uh, get fit, um, eat less sugar. The things that the, that are these days considered politically incorrect. That's it. You're right. You're right. We have to take control of our lives. We have to take back our sovereignty from those global corporations, NGOs mm. and charities which are trying to dominate us. They're only the tools for the very rich and powerful who are truly evil people because they are the ones who are pushing this agenda and it's and the only way to do this is by by focusing on our regions our communities our families and make our own rules tailor-made for our own individual communities and regions um, disconnect from those corporations and from those NGOs. Yeah, it almost seems like you're saying um, localism versus globalism. And uh... absolutely, absolutely. This doesn't mean that we can't be connected. No, yeah. on the contrary, we should think regionally and locally, but we should be connected. What we shouldn't have is this overarching uh, global, uh, well, global gov world government. Big no brother. way. This is what got us here. Yeah, that's big brother. Globalization is what got us here. There's some factors, there's some parts of globalization which make sense, but most don't. Most is about control. The thing about these vaccines, if you if a real study had been conducted, vaccines. Vaccines, yes. Yeah. If a real study had been conducted about these what, what the real the real word uh, is of course um, gene therapy uh, experimental uh, gene therapies that's what Dr. Hotsey of Texas and mm. uh, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough great person to talk to what that's what they're saying but the thing about these vaccines if a real study had been conducted it would have it would have checked for two things efficacy is it efficient does it do what it's supposed to do and side effects adverse effects is there any danger connected with it because even if you have an effective um anti-flu uh vaccine which as a side effect gives you a heart attack <laughs> it's yeah. not going to go on the market right but the first question that you have to ask apart from these trials which were never conducted is are these vaccines necessary no they're not for two reasons we have herd immunity already. Most of us are immune, uh, meaning all of us are immune. That's why it's called herd immunity. And the other thing is there are alternative treatments that are quite effective and have no side effects, are not dangerous. Ivermectin being one of them. Mm. Or uh, a, uh, a, a healthy lifestyle with lots of vitamin D, for example. Uh, lots of exercise, that kind of thing. Mm. Rana, 
I am going to go and get myself another drink. And Me too, I... Jeremy. It's always a pleasure. Take it easy. Take it easy, man. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.